0: Hi, welcome to the Parkinson Vitality Project podcast, a place for open and honest discussion about how to intentionally live, move, and thrive with Parkinson's disease. I'm your host, Anne Gould, owner of Envision Physical Therapy and Wellness, where I specialize in helping people with Parkinson's live their fullest lives. Let's dive into today's episode. In the last episode of the podcast, we discussed that while everyone can benefit from exercise, people with Parkinson's can have some particularly beneficial effects of exercise. Exercise for people with Parkinson's can help manage some of the motor symptoms of the disease as well as the non-motor symptoms of the disease. It can also provide some protection for your brain and slow the progression of the Parkinson's. Finally, exercise promotes neuroplasticity or new learning in your brain. Today, we're going to talk about the types of exercise for Parkinson's and how they achieve those goals. First, we're going to talk about aerobic exercise. An aerobic exercise is an activity that works the heart, lungs, and muscles and helps the body to burn calories. And again, it's recommended for all adults and children. American Heart Association recommends that adults do 150 minutes of moderate intensity aerobic activity per week, or 75 minutes of vigorous aerobic activity, or some combination of both. And while they'd like to see you do moderate or vigorous intense activity, they do say that spending less time sitting and even doing light intense activities can offset the risks of being sedentary. Even more benefits are gained from being active 300 minutes or 5 hours per week. They also say that you can do multiple short bouts of exercise instead of one long bout of exercise if that's what works better for you. For example, instead of doing 30 minutes of moderate activity per day, do three 10-minute sessions of moderate activity per day to get similar effects. While exercise is important for everybody, there are some particular neurologic benefits to exercise that can be helpful for people with Parkinson's. Cardiac exercise causes the increase of the release of a specific protein in the brain called brain-derived neurotropic factor, or BDNF. This protein strengthens the connections between brain cells and promotes new connections between brain cells, which will all lead to improved learning. We like to say that aerobic exercise primes the pump for brain change and improvement in movement with Parkinson's. Another important type of exercise for people with Parkinson's is flexibility, training, or stretching exercises. When we become less active, naturally we have a decrease in our flexibility. People with Parkinson's are particularly vulnerable to this due to the increased stiffness and rigidity associated with the disease. Maintaining the flexibility in your muscles can have a great impact on your comfort and mobility. It can help to manage pain by stopping abnormal pulls on your joints, and it can help to maintain range of motion and manage rigidity. With rigidity and decreased range of motion, many motions can become harder. For example, getting in and out of chairs can be very hard if you can't straighten your back out. In addition, poor posture or bending forward can make your movements less safe by changing your balance points. There are no specific guidelines for stretching for people with Parkinson's, but there are some general recommendations. The American Heart Association recommends 10 minutes of stretching at a time, holding each stretch for 10 to 30 seconds, performing three to four repetitions of each stretch. Some of the common mistakes that I see when people are stretching is they do some bouncing where they get to the end and then they kind of bounce in that position. This isn't good because you're not holding the end range and creating that long change that you need. Stretching is generally performed better when you have a less intense stretch or one that's only mildly uncomfortable and you're holding it for as long as possible. The other problems that I see when people are stretching is they push themselves too far. They'll bring themselves to the point of pain and they're wincing and guarding through the whole stretch. If your body is guarding through the stretch, it's holding you against the stretch and it's, your muscles won't lengthen. So it's really important that you find the point where you feel some mild discomfort, but not point of pain. I usually tell people if they're squinting or gritting their teeth, they've gone too far. Finally, a lot of people try to hold their breath when they're stretching. Breathing during a stretch helps to relax your body and allow your muscles to lengthen as you're holding the stretch. The important areas to stretch for people with Parkinson's are the areas that are going to promote good posture and improved movement. Some of these areas are the front of your chest, the backs of your thighs and knees, for example, your hamstrings, your calves and ankles, your lower back and neck. In general, we're really looking to increase your extension with Parkinson's. Gravity spends all day trying to push you down and drop your head to the floor. So a lot of these stretches are really focused on going in the opposite direction and keeping you upright and standing tall. Another way that we wanna exercise is we wanna do strength training or resistance training. Keeping strong and healthy muscles is essential for maintaining the ability to move around. Tasks that require strong muscles are getting out of a chair, going up and down stairs, getting on and off the floor, amongst many other things. Everything requires some amount of strength. There are lots of ways to get resistance for strength training. You can use elastic bands, weights, machines at the gym, common household items, for example, a jug of water or milk, or you can use your own body weight as resistance. Another huge advantage to resistance training is that it helps to increase bone strength. Weight bearing through your bones or putting an external force on your bones promotes increased bone growth and the health of ligaments, which in turn reduces the risk of injury. For people with Parkinson's, it can be particularly important to strengthen your extensor muscles, the muscles that help you maintain good posture. These can help you to maintain standing straight posture. Exercises that we really wanna focus on are core exercises or abdominal exercises. They're gonna help with balance. Thigh and butt muscle exercises or quads and glutes, which is gonna help with going up and down stairs and getting up out of chairs and also back and neck muscles that are gonna promote good posture. When you're doing strength training, form is important. You can become injured if you're doing exercises incorrectly. So if you're feeling like you're struggling to do things correctly, it may be a good idea to see a physical therapist or a personal trainer that has experience with people with Parkinson's to make sure that you're doing the exercises properly and prevent injury. Some of the general tips that I have for strengthening exercise is you want to move at a slow, consistent pace. You want to keep breathing and you always want to make sure that the exercises are comfortable and that you're not having any pain during the exercises. The final type of exercise that we like to look at is skill acquisition training. Some of the biggest problems for people with Parkinson's is that their body doesn't perform movements at the optimal size or speed. Usually movements are too slow and too small and many of the problems are related to changes in your movement and sensory systems in the body. Your movement system or muscles have trouble starting and stopping movement and automatically controlling movement, while your sensory system changes create a problem where you don't perceive the movements are too small or too slow. Skill acquisition training works on improving these systems and making movements more automatic and as normal as possible. Examples of skill acquisition training are going to be working on your daily mobility activities to help improve your ability to perform them. For example, many people with Parkinson's have trouble getting out of bed. So a skill acquisition training can be rolling, pushing the covers off you, or scooting in bed, or simply just getting in and out. Another example of this would be getting in and out of a chair. Balance training is another skill acquisition training that helps to strengthen the motor and sensory systems to decrease your fall risk by challenging you in various situations. Coordination training can help to improve your ability to move your limbs where you want them to be. And agility training is gonna be particularly helpful to make sure that you continue to be able to step in all directions quickly to help prevent falls. Looking at these four types of activity, aerobic, flexibility training, strength training, and and skill acquisition training can be overwhelming if you're thinking about doing them every day of the week. They don't have to be done separately from each other. You can work on two different types of activity at the same time. For example, if you're doing a dancing or a boxing activity, you're probably combining aerobic training and skill training at the same time. While it's important to find something you like and something that you're going to be consistent with, you want to make sure that you get all types of activity to maintain optimal movements. The next question I usually get is, how much do you need to exercise and how intense does it have to be? So first let's talk about how much. Studies have compared how people who exercise more or less move and feel. And they've shown that to have a positive effect on quality of life and movement, you need to be exercising at a minimum of two and a half hours per week or 30 minutes, five days a week. However, most people recommend that you should really be doing daily exercise, ideally 30 minutes per day. And there's a lot of reasons for this. To make a new habit or, and promote new learning, you wanna be doing things as consistently and frequently as possible. Also, regular exercising will help to manage your symptoms in a way that some of your medicines aren't able to. And regular exercise will allow your body to better utilize the medicine that you're taking. The next question is how intense do I need to exercise? Dr. Oskog suggests that you should be exercising vigorously and he usually follows the American Heart Association guidelines for exercise which say you should reach and sustain 50 to 85% of your target heart rate. One way to monitor this is to use a fitness tracker that'll monitor your heart rate and keeping an eye on how you do. One thing to keep in mind though is that some medications may alter how your heart rate responds to exercise. In that case you may want to find again a personal trainer physical therapist or occupational therapist who can help you to determine what the ideal exercise intensity is for you when we're talking about skill acquisition training we're generally looking to promote large amplitude or bigger movements because of the effect of parkinson's on the sensory system people with parkinson's usually move slower and smaller And when they're asked to move in a bigger manner, they feel like they're being asked to do movements that may look foolish or clownish. But the ultimate goal is to make the movements appear and be regular. One concept that's been studied is the concept of forced use, which means pushing someone past their comfort zone, which can be effective in altering how the body moves. One way that this has been studied is with tandem biking, where people are forced to bike on a stationary tandem bike at a 80 revolutions per minute which is faster than their self-selected pace over time this has shown to have an improvement in their parkinson's symptoms so when you're exercising i usually tell people if they're looking at a scale of zero to ten and with zero being the easiest exercise and ten being the most intense exercise they've ever done or how much effort they're putting in i tell them they should be working at a six or above You should be pushing yourself to put as much effort into your exercise as possible while still being safe. So how can you get started with finding an exercise program that works for you? First, you want to talk to your doctor, physical therapist, or occupational therapist to determine what the safest way to exercise for you is. People can have problems with their heart, their joints, or their balance that makes certain types of exercise more beneficial and safer for them than others. And you want to make sure that you're doing what's best for you. The next thing you want to do is you want to consider what do you enjoy? The point of this is to do something that you're going to consistently keep up with. And if it's something that you hate, you're not going to want to do it. So you want to consider what you enjoyed doing before you had Parkinson's. Did you enjoy walking? Did you enjoy swimming? Did you enjoy hiking? Any of these things can be beneficial when done in the right manner. You can look for a group exercise program in your area. There are a lot of group exercise programs that are designed specifically for people with Parkinson's. This can be helpful to meet people in your area with Parkinson's and develop that support network that we've talked about in other podcasts. Finally, you can always look for a physical therapist, occupational therapist, or personal trainer who specializes in working with people with Parkinson's to help you develop the best program that works specifically for you. I hope this podcast has been helpful in determining what's the best options for you to start exercising in your life. Please feel free to contact me if you have any questions or need any advice on how you can get started yourself. Thank you for joining me this week on the Parkinson's Vitality Project podcast. New episodes are released every other Wednesday, so make sure you hit the subscribe button so that you never miss a show. You can also follow me on social media at the links posted in the show notes. Thanks again. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and shouldn't be used as personalized medical advice.